You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Oz Network as we come back for another spoiler-free review as Mallory gives the general reaction of everybody realising they're listening to the Oz Network. Uh, We're here for another spoiler-free review of the brand spanking new movie, a Rocket Man, the Elton John biopic. Um, it's it's a fantasy version of a biopic. It's very interesting. It's very uh, fascinating, and it's very uh, fun to talk about this movie that Mellor and I have just come back from seeing. My name is Ben, and the bitch is back. Ah, uh, my name is Mallory, and and. And where are the freaking quotes on this? Oh, here we go. Um, one sec, one sec, one sec. Yep, doing well. <laughs> These are really terrible quotes on this. You could literally just say, "My name is Mallory, and I'm a rocket man." I'm a rocket woman. <laughs> sorry, sorry to be gender specific. Um, rocket man, uh, burning on a. Fuel on... I don't remember the rest of the lyrics. This is a pretty good film, Mallory Foster. I think think you want to talk first because I believe you walked out of this very happy and smiley. I think this is the first movie this year that I have walked out saying I love this movie so much. Like, it was amazing. It was amazing. It was amazing. Now, you straight away said that was better than Bohemian Rhapsody. Without a doubt in my mind. That, see, I, I'm still questioning it. I don't, like, I obviously was a huge, huge fan of Bohemian Rhapsody, so I would probably say no, but I could definitely see why people would think it is. I think I think it stands on its own two feet that it's different enough from Bohemian Rhapsody to kind of appreciate it in its own form. But um, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really, really good. Um, I think it, it's done in such a different way in the fact that, whereas Bohemian Rhapsody is pretty much a, you know, paint-by-numbers biopic of this is how Queen started, this is where Queen sort of got to, and it's got Freddie Mercury and everything in between. I'm not saying this isn't what Rocket Man is, but they've done this in a much more fantasy sort of style, um, and it's it, this is more musical than Bohemian Rhapsody. Bohemian Rhapsody was kind of a movie about Freddie Mercury with a few songs here and there. This legitimately is musical. You will just get the characters break out into song during scenes, so... Yeah, that's, I guess, where I would say. But I, I really enjoyed it. What, what is it about this film that you enjoyed the most? Everything except the graphicness. <laughs> um, uh, what's specific about the graphicness is it that you didn't like? Everything? <laughs> it is, it's a bit confronting in parts. We'll maybe get to that in a moment. But, I mean, the, the fantasy element, the musical element, you appreciated the musical element more. I loved it. I felt like... This movie could have very easily become Bohemian Rhapsody 2, but I think that they did it in a very artistic and different kind of way than um, Bohemian Rhapsody was done, and I appreciated it so much. I just appreciated, like, it was creative, but it was also, like, thoughtful, and, like, I just thought it was really well laid out and like everything kind of is a full circle thing in this movie and I like that I like that 
you start the movie making a connection and you end the movie making a connection and it just it works so well and i think that like i don't know i just automatically compare it to bohemian rhapsody because it's the same thing but this one to me was more it felt more like a movie like a like a fictional movie like a I'm going to see A Star is Born. Like, it felt more like that to me than Bohemian Rhapsody did. Like, it was less... Like, it was a biopic, I understand that, but it didn't feel like one. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I can see it. Like, it's... I think the interesting thing is that the difference with you and I going into this movie is that I was familiar with most of Elton John's music. Uh, I mean, admittedly, there were probably a couple of songs in this that I didn't know and not as familiar with everything to do with him as I would have been going into Bohemian Rhapsody. But, I mean, 90% of these songs I knew, whereas you, what, only knew a couple of these songs? I mean, you kind of saw this in a little bit of a different perspective. I think I knew probably less than half of the songs in this movie. Mm, yeah, like maybe half, if I'm lucky. Is there a list somewhere? I- I'm sure we can probably find some of the the songs. Um, like no. No. There'd be probably on the soundtrack, but um, yeah, I mean, I think I think one thing you could go into this movie. I mean, I would say you'd go into Bohemian Rhapsody as well. I think with a with a limited knowledge of these artists' songs, you know their main songs. Um, I mean, obviously, both are named after arguably the most famous song by each of the performers. Um, I mean, Elton John's a bit tricky because I think he's got so many. I mean, Queen have so many too, but you know, Queen it's Bohemian Rhapsody. Elton John, I feel. You know, you've got a few. Yes, you, you're really keen to talk here. This song could have been called The Circle of Life and it would have worked. Which is not even in the movie, spoiler alert. But Well, okay, but that one song sounds like that. Um, the one with the girl. Uh, uh, oh, why have I gone blank on the name of the song? Uh, one of his famous ones. Yeah, again, anyway, I know what you're talking about. See, I didn't even know the song until like the very end of the song. There was a snippet that I knew, but then the rest of the song I wouldn't have recognized ever. I think... Again, what stands out the most, as I keep saying, is it's more musical, it's more fantasy. And, I mean, visually, this film looks fantastic. I think kind of, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody went out of its way to kind of recreate a lot of famous Queen performances and, the you know, the fashion of the time and things like that. Whereas this, it goes out of its way to really give you sort of this fantasy sequence. I mean, you get it straight away from the very beginning, uh, kind of, you know, with, with older Elton mixing it with younger Elton and then kind of just through so many of these visual versions of the song which just just works so well i mean i really like the rocket man performance for example um which you know i mean all of them i think worked incredibly well and uh i mean i guess this movie there's not really talk about story it's a story about elton john (laughs) you know sort of his rise from young boy into you know i think it's sort of caps around the late 80s early 90s of sort of his career um and sort of just everything that happens in between it, dealing with fame and, you know, obviously dealing with his uh, sexual orientation, you know, substance abuse, all that sort of grandiosa sort of things. I mean, did you know anything about Elton John at all coming into this? To be honest, no. The fact that I know that he's still alive I think is pretty impressive, and the only reason I probably knew that is because he's touring <laughs> New Zealand <laughs> next year. Um... I see I just it I wasn't that kid I didn't grow up in that time and my parents like would be like yeah we know Elton John but they're not 
the fans of Elton John. It was not a soundtrack that I listened to in the car all the time. Like, they're not that kind of fan. So therefore, I know his big songs that come back on the radio every so often and, like, appear in movies. But that's it. That's mm. that's all I know of him. And, like, the gay thing, I assume, was an obvious You knew he was gay? Uh, yeah. I reckon. Um... I had something to say earlier and I forgot. You really are becoming a co-host on the show, basically, by always having that happen. Um, yeah, I mean, I didn't wasn't as much of a soundtrack to my childhood as Queen was, but I mean, definitely was. I mean, Mum had a greatest hits of his and played it a lot, so I knew sort of that. I mean, again, similarly, you knew the famous ones. I mean, there there are certain songs I think that sort of come out of this set you, you don't hear. For example, um, she's literally got a pair of scissors to my face right now, people. Um, cutting a bit of my moustache. That was scary. I would have liked a bit of warning. She just literally grab a pair of scissors and go to chop me. Um, yeah, so like, I mean, for example, you know, Elton John has the most successful single of all time, sort of give or take with White Christmas, being Crosby, uh, Candle in the Wind is sort of... It's, it's, it's debated whether it's White Christmas or Candle in the Wind, the Princess Diana version, and this sort of cuts off well before that. I mean, not that there really would have been much to tell around that, I think. Um, but, I mean, even the fact that Candle in the Wind was written for the death of Marilyn Monroe, he just rejigged it when Princess Diana died in 1997. So, obviously, I mean, you would have been one year old when Diana died, but, I mean, you could not escape that song in 1997. 1997 was all about Candle in the Wind and My Heart Will Go On. Like, that was just the absolute... Dominus, what are you actually doing right now? Listening to it. You don't know what candle in the wind is? And it seems to me you live your life like a candle in the wind. Okay, we'll play it after. I don't really think you should be playing it in the background right now. Um, anyway, uh, I, I mean, the absolute star of this film, of course, is uh, Taron Egerton, who is just incredible. And we, we talked a little bit about Taron uh, last year. Yeah, hang on a minute. Come. I just need to go back for a minute. Because I remember saying that Bohemian Rhapsody was an emotional film, but this is an emotional film on a different level. This is a depressing film, but it is so good. Sorry. We will get to that. Okay. Um, back to Taron Egerton. We talked a little bit about him, of course. It was part of my overview. It was part of my overview. Thank you. Uh, we talked a little bit about him last year. Uh, of course, he was Eddie the Eagle uh, when we covered that one. and gave a great performance in that movie. And I think we did mention during that that he was set to play Elton John in this movie. And just perfectly cast. I mean, there were so many times in this movie that I you sort of squinted and you just he was Elton John. Like, just he looked so much like him. Very similar to Rami Malek and Bohemian Rhapsody. He just completely owns the character. Um, and, I mean, I've not seen Taron Egerton outside of anything besides this and Eddie the Eagle. Two biopic films that he's playing famous people. And he's just got this way about really recreating the person. I mean, Eddie the Eagle, he kind of had the look down pad. He kind of had that real scrunched up face and the expressions that um, Eddie had sort of in real life. And then this, it just completely does exactly the same thing. The mannerisms and just everything about him just sings, no pun intended, Elton John, screams Elton John. Uh, I mean, were you very familiar at all with Taron Egerton coming into this? I think you've seen Eddie the Eagle, haven't you? I have seen Eddie the Eagle, but it's been a very long time since I've seen it. And apart from that, I would have never seen him in anything. We did look at his um, movies earlier tonight, and uh, there was nothing. Yeah. There's like a total of, what, less than nine movies that he's Mm. been in or something like that? So, yeah, flawless performance. 
And the thing is, I think the key difference between this and Bohemian Rhapsody is that Taron Egerton basically does all the singing, whereas Rami Malek basically sort of mixed his vocals with there was another guy and they sort of mixed it in with the Freddie Mercury vocals. Interesting, I was just reading here that actors considered for this part were Tom Hardy and Justin Timberlake. I mean, Justin Timberlake makes sense, but I don't know if Tom Hardy can sing. I don't know who Tom Hardy yeah, is. You'd know who Tom Hardy is. He's been in a million and one things. Um, you would know him uh, lots and lots. He was Bane in The Dark Knight. Uh, rises, you know the guy with the mask in the dark. I don't really know who he is. Yeah. He's one of the top choices possibly to play James Bond. Um, he, um, he's in the soccer movie. Uh, Benedict like Beckham is that him? Mm, no, that no, 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 no. That's not. Uh, I mean, he could be, but that's not who. It looks like him. Though. That's um. Oh, he was famous for five minutes. He's not famous anymore. I know who you're talking about. No, he was um in lots of things. Um. <laughs> He was Venom recently in Venom, uh, but yeah, he was Bane in The Dark Knight Rises. The guy with the voice. He always seems to get cast with masks on his face. It's kind of a, an ongoing joke. But uh, I don't know. I don't know if Tom Hardy can sing, so I don't know how that would have gone. But Justin Timberlake would have been all right. I also looking at his face. I can't imagine the makeup artist's job turning mm. him into Elton John. But I mean, look, Taron Egerton. I think at the end of the day born to play this role mm-hmm. fantastic the other one that really stood out for me and we'll talk about the guy who played Bernie uh, is it Talpin Talpin in a minute but I knew coming into this movie that Bryce Dallas Howard was in this movie it took me ages to click that she plays Elton John's mother because the the makeup is incredible and her acting like I feel we talked about her in Jurassic World and we talked about her in... We've actually done a few films with Bryce Dallas Howard on this show between Jurassic World uh, as well as Spider-Man 3. And, like, kind of... She's all right. She seems nice and all that sort of jazz. But, like, holy crap, she's incredible. And just the accent, just everything she nails is so good. And, you know, I... I, not sure if this film's going to get much Oscar buzz given that it's sort of coming out in May and it's sort of not in that season. But, I mean, we've seen it before with, like, Black Panther and things like that. It can happen. Gladiator, I believe, was released about this point and that got all the Oscars in the year 2000. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Bryce Dallas Howard, I had to turn to you at one point and say, it's Claire from Jurassic World. And you were like, oh, my God. Well, once you said it, it clicked mm. because she does have a distinct face, but I couldn't place it until you told me who she was. Yeah. I'd agree. Um, other ones, so uh, Jamie Bell. Now, the, I've realised who, who I know him from. So he plays sort of Elton John's long-term collaborator, uh, Bernie Taupin. And Jamie Bell was Billy Elliot. I don't know if you've ever seen Billy Elliot. Um, so he was the little kid in Billy Elliot. So he's obviously grown up, been in King Kong, Jumper, uh, Tintin. So that's kind of where I think I know him. Yeah, Tintin. Uh, the one that I actually was quite uh, partial to as well was the random appearance by Tate Donovan, who, uh, if any OC fans listening would know him as Jimmy from the OC, um, plenty of other things too, and he, he did really well. I mean, it's a pretty good cast. I think kind of it's um, it's interesting too that sort of a very big focus on the character of John Reed in this movie, a sort of a producer-manager who uh, any fans of Bohemian Rhapsody would know that that character also appears in Bohemian Rhapsody. Different actor in this movie, though. But uh, he's, I guess he's the uh, the villain in this uh, film, the antagonist. So uh, do you have anything else really to say about the other the members of the cast here? Because, I mean, it really is just the Taron Egerton show. It really is. Um, no. Honestly, everyone did a great job within their roles, I think. And, yeah, everything was just played really well. I liked... The 
not the stepdad better than the dad on a personal note. I like the grandma. She was great. Um, yeah, no, not much on this. No, I mean, it, it is, it's kind of... It's not like Bohemian Rhapsody in the fact that, yeah, it's about Freddie Mercury, but the band is still important to Freddie Mercury and Queen, as is sort of his, you know, wife and, uh, you know, other people around him. Whereas it's not that other people unimportant in this movie but it's a much more centric movie around one man as opposed to i feel that bohemian rhapsody yeah it's about freddie mercury but it's still about queen if that makes sense yeah that totally makes sense and i think that um i think that the only like there are a few key players who obviously continues throughout the movie but it kind of does drift from different focuses outside of elton john throughout the movie if that makes sense um yeah, but can we just talk about the costuming? Oh, yeah, I was going to say visually and sort of, uh, you know, everything about this movie on a visual aspect. Uh, yeah, costuming is fantastic. I mean, Elton John known for his flamboyant costumes and outfits and sort of persona and just so well done in the art department in this movie. And, and visually as well, like sets recreated, just the style and kind of just everything around this, even like the dance pieces in this movie and mm. sort of just, I think visually this film is starting. This is a movie that is worth seeing on the big screen just for the, the way this movie looks. And especially because it is, how do they describe it? They describe it as like the live his fantasy or something like that. And I think that in the visual aspect is really important to, look back and reflect on living his fantasy because you do and just it's so seamless from one moment to the next and there's so many scenes that could have gone so wrong and so many things that we could have been like oh this was bad Mm. but they did an amazing job and i think it works with his type of music and his lyrics because Again, we keep comparing this to Bohemian Rhapsody, but it's hard not to, considering these films have both come out within six months of each other, and this is kind of, I feel, really going to be coming a trend. I mean, there's already talks of, you know, Celine Dion having a movie, Madonna having a movie, sort of these other artists who, you know, this is going to... A trend like this happens in Hollywood, and all of a sudden everyone's getting a movie done about them. We saw that trailer for that one sort of loosely on Beatles music sort of coming out soon, too. So, um... But I think this works with music. I said to you after we came out of this, I could see this sort of working with perhaps like David Bowie music, like this style where it mixes real life with fantasy. I don't think this would have worked in Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, I don't think this would work with some other singers if they ever did a film. I mean, Celine Dion, what are they going to do? Like literally have a heart coming out of a chest going on and something like that? I have no idea. But um, yeah, I think that style really, really works in this movie for sure, Um, which is great. And like this is... I, mean, I said sort of pay attention after the movie because the, the people in our cinema were basically sort of very much an older audience. But I think... We also went, we also went to a mid-afternoon movie, though. Like, we can't just blame it on the demographic that this movie is set to appeal to. It is also... Well, I, I would argue still that that's probably more the target audience as well, in a way, because oh, I think that the Queen... Like, it's not my generation no. in any aspect. Like, Queen is more geared toward my generation and your generation than this would be. Whereas well, I mean, is- Queen and Elton John came about sort of around... Elton John would be a bit earlier than Queen, but, I mean, still in that same era. I think the difference is, is that Queen is much more marketable and has a, much more of a an appeal to younger people still to this day. Not to say Elton John doesn't, but you're much likely going to see kids banging along to We Will Rock You and Bohemian Rhapsody than your song and Crocodile Rock. Yep. Did you know Crocodile Rock? Yes, I didn't know your song, though. Really? 
That's like one of his most it was, famous. It was beautiful. Like that was, there were a lot of cry moments in this movie and that was one of them. Like, yeah, I was a bit teary with it too. I think, um, I mean, you mentioned it before about how it's sort of, it's a bit of a depressing film. I mean, it's, there's definitely very much depressing elements to this sort of about his life, which kind of are portrayed beautifully. And again, this is also props to Taron Egerton because it's not just the singing and sort of this, but just like his portrayal of kind of, you know, these desperate moments in Elton John's life are just so powerful. And I think that there was a good third of this movie where it was pretty dark. And I think a lot of people came out of Bohemian Rhapsody thinking they sugarcoated it too much and that they kind of skipped over it. They don't do this in um, Rocketman. And sort of you and I were talking about this, and I think the key difference is, is how this is a thing. Is I think that Elton John was very much involved in this movie. He was a producer. He's given a producer credit. So obviously he was available to say, like, this happened, this happened, and would have given all the creative content to them to be able to go with. And I think... A key thing with Bohemian Rhapsody that probably didn't allow them to do that is, A, they targeted Bohemian Rhapsody at much more of a family audience. This was more of a movie targeted at all ages. As in what, this or Bohemian Rhapsody? Both. Well, I think, yeah, I agree with you, but I think Bohemian Rhapsody, you can come... Yeah, Bohemian Rhapsody, I think my point is, is that it was more, and like, because the rating was smaller, it wasn't like, this is an R-rated film, essentially, whereas, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody wasn't. And also the key difference is, is that, yeah, you've got sort of two members of Queen sort of having some creative licensing with it, but you don't have the actual man, Freddie Mercury, to be able to say. So a lot of it was speculation. So I think that's the key difference to allow more of a graphic, darker tone to Rocketman than Bohemian Rhapsody, which I'm fine with. Like, a lot of people did not like that about Bohemian Rhapsody, thinking that they gelled over Freddie Mercury's homosexuality. You know, they gelled over so much with that, which they did compared to this. But I think, back to my point, that these are two different films. They stand on their own legs, and I think they both work in their own way. I agree with everything you said, and I think that it's one of, like, what works best about this movie to me and about Taron Egerton thank you I didn't want to pronounce his name wrong so I'm like looking frantically for it so I can read it um about his performance is just that it makes you feel how Elton John would have been feeling in all of these moments of his life and it like like you feel hurt you feel lost you feel lonely throughout this movie and it's so powerful and then you have these moments of like trying to get away from that through his art and i just oh i i am such a big fan of this movie and i think that it doesn't end on a sad note which i think helps it because it's one of those things that they could have just like cut off at a certain point and you'd be like wait we know where he is today but this movie is still depressing but they ended it so well and they brought it out of the darkness that was the first all of the movie um and one of my favorite things as well which doesn't really have to do with the tone of the movie oh eh, eh, is you get to watch him like take apart one of his outfits and i think that that was a really cool like a tribute to the costume makers in this film because they did a really good job and two like i think it was almost a little bit symbolic of just like you see how beaten down he is and then the point when you see like you see him put on the costume that he takes apart and i think that it's just like so powerful knowing where it goes and oh yeah 
I think it's well bookended, kind of like this whole notion of him being in sort of a, a counselling sort of rehab place to be able to tell his story. I think that works well. Um, I think the thing too that I'll just say, with again, comparisons with him and Rhapsody, I know Colin sort of complained that Freddie Mercury kind of comes across as a bit of a dick with no real reason for being a dick in Bohemian Rhapsody, which, again, I don't necessarily agree with. I still think that Bohemian Rhapsody shows a good level of why Freddie Mercury was how he was, a sense of loneliness about Freddie Mercury, which I think sort of really came through that level of fame and everything as well. But I think kind of what Elton John sort of at least portrayed here on this movie is that that level of loneliness that Elton John supposedly had came a lot from his upbringing. I mean, my God, this guy, like, sort of, like, in his youth, sort of, you can just see why, it, you know, he sort of struggled with this sort of stuff and it kind of comes full circle, as you're sort of saying, with the great scene sort of involving everyone in the movie sort of in a bit of a fantasy sequence. Um, and again, there's comparisons between Rhapsody, but there's not, and it's just sort of, it's it's different. And I feel like a lot of people... In their reviews are sort of saying, is this better than Bohemian Rhapsody and all sort of stuff? And maybe we'll come to a firm decision that soon. But it's just, they're just different in their own way and similar in their own way that I feel, you know, it's like, this isn't like in the 90s when you had two asteroid movies come out in the space of six months. Like, what's better? You know, uh, Armageddon or Deep Impact. Two volcano movies come out. Dante's Beat, Volcano. Like... At their core, they're about a disaster, and essentially, you can kind of choose which one's better over the other. This one, I think, like, yeah, they're two biopics, but, like, it's it's kind of like you can't really compare Walk the Line with Ray. Like, they're two movies based on famous singers, but they're, they're different stories and different styles of telling that. And I feel you can like Bohemian Rhapsody and Rocket Man at the same time like both of the artists' music and still come out of it feeling a level of satisfaction because I do. I, I think that if I had to choose, I would choose Bohemian Rhapsody, but I still love Rocketman. See, it's interesting because I feel the opposite way, but I think that part of it is like thinking about if you were going to try to compare them. I found Bohemian Rhapsody to be harsher, although Rocketman is more graphic, if that What do you mean sense. harsher? Like... I found it more confronting in um, the other one, in Bohemian Rhapsody. Like, I found, like, his homosexuality and the partying and the drugs and the sex, like, even though they played it down, I found it to be more of an, like, underlying confronting thing. I would interrupt. I would argue that that's... I I agree with you. And I think that what the reason that is, is A, Bohemian Rhapsody was not going to have a positive ending because Freddie Mercury dies. Spoiler alert. Uh, and B, Freddie Mercury wasn't really open. He wasn't openly gay, uh, sort of until right at the very end, whereas Elton John sort of has been openly gay now for 30 years. So I think kind of... Yeah, I, I think you, you're right, I think, but th- there's a reason behind that, and that's because Freddie Mercury had to live with that as more of a secret, whereas Elton John has sort of embraced it after a certain level of time. Yes. And there's a happy ending. Elton John's still alive. <laughs> I feel like you... But, like, that's uh, that's not what I mean by harsher. Like... Because Rockman is a heavier movie, mm. but I just oh, overall better. I, I mean, I, I know what you're trying to say. Like, I, I don't know how to explain. But, but I know what you. I know I do definitely understand what you're trying to say. I mean, this we keep saying sort of very confronting, very graphic, and I think kind of one thing we slightly mentioned. I know when you and I did the Bohemian Rhapsody one, which a lot of people were complaining is they sort of, I guess, seemingly gelled over Freddie Mercury's homosexuality, which. 
again, different films, different ratings, and sort of in retrospective, yeah, they kind of did, and I sort of was like, okay. But then looking back on it, and just on what I just said, I think it played up to the point where it's like, well, again, he was more closeted than Elton John was. I think the Elton John style, like, it is very, I mean, I, I'm just reading a stat here, and I don't know if this is true, but they're, they're claiming this is the first major Hollywood production to show a gay male sex screen sex scene on screen which i sort of said well broke back mountain but maybe that wasn't considered a major hollywood i think it was more of an independent sort of release but i mean i think they definitely go to a level of doing it where it's not just like oh look he's gay let's have two men having sex it's not to that level it's done in a tasteful way i would i would say but i think this and this goes to my point, which we've always argued on this show. When it comes to a movie where it's sort of like something, say, quote, different, like oh, it's a female superhero film, it's a it's a black superhero film. As long as it's not in your face, shoving it down your throat, which Captain Marvel was a bit of. Like you watch a movie for the entertainment factor, you like the characters, and if there's a love story, whether it's straight or gay, to me it doesn't matter as long as it's compelling. And this is what this did well, I think the stuff around his homosexuality and when you get to that scene, I, I don't feel that I'm going like, oh my God, it's two men having sex. Like, in no way did I feel that way. It was just kind of a case of like, oh, okay, well, he's hooking up with this person who he's got the hots for. They just happen to be two men, if you know what I mean. I feel like I felt equally as uncomfortable as I feel in every sex scene, so <laughs> it was perfect. Um, but I think, no, I think that they, like, they do do it tastefully, even mm. though... Like, I guess it's a step further than where Bohemian Rhapsody went, but, like, it is, it's not, it's not, like, a crazy, yuck sex scene. It's, it is very tasteful, I guess. Um, I, think, I think it just comes down to the rating. Again, it's, it's like, you can show what you can show. If, if Bohemian Rhapsody went for a higher rating, I'm sure the scene when he sees Adam Lambert in a bathroom stall, they're going to show a little bit more of that, if you know what I mean. Whereas this has gotten the the openness that they can show two men having sex as opposed to... It, it's it's like the, the whole, you know, like the Jaws aspect of storytelling film. That, like, you can create fear and tension of a giant monster without showing a giant monster because... 75% of Jaws, the shark you don't see, but you're still shit scared because you know it's there. It's Bohemian Rhapsody. You know the guy's gay. You know he's doing stuff. And, like, you can still imply that without having to show him literally having sex with a man. Yes. I think there's also, like, in the vulgarity area, like, there's also more moments. Like, if you had taken the other band members from um, Queen and, like, had sexual moments with them, I think it would be easier to compare, like, that level, Mm. if that makes sense, because there isn't anything with other members of the band, whereas in this movie you see things with other characters, and, like, that, that for me was more confronting than the sex scene, I think. Like, it was like, oh, okay, that just happened. Um... And I just, but like the partying is equal for me, whereas in this movie they just embrace it even more. And <clears throat> I think that one of the other things about this movie is that it's you see his loneliness more within the parties than you do um, Freddie Mercury's. And I think that like 
for me, like one of the worst moments in this movie is there's is this a spoiler alert? Alert? Spoiler alert? Maybe. Yeah, it's Elton John's life. I mean, <laughs> seriously, if you've read his book, it's this is one of those movies where it's kind of like no spoilers, but I mean, it's you know, it's okay. a real life story. So possibly spoiler alert. There is a scene where he is like alone in his bedroom, and literally you see a pile of like ground up drugs and it's bigger than my handful probably and i just like in that moment i was like oh my gosh there's a pile of drugs on the table that he is about to snort and i was just like i can't so that's just different personalities like i mean it doesn't bother me at all but like i couldn't fathom it i was like oh what is even happening but at the same time like it fits and it's part of what you see in this movie and you just at that point in time you almost know it's coming and it's just it's done tastefully even though it's like the least tasteful of moments if that makes sense and i i am in love with this movie that's <laughs> i oh yeah it was it was good i mean i guess there's nothing really a whole lot more to say really until we get into the review i mean i'm assuming you're gonna be buying this movie oh how'd you know just a random guess but, yeah uh cool uh <laughs> i also am going to buy this movie uh i think it's very much worthy um of a buy and it's interesting because this is what like i'm seeing two movies this week and one you definitely don't want to see with me but this one you even were kind of like oh i don't know if i want to see it with you so um you're glad you kind of did i'm so glad i did i'm still not going to see godzilla i'm telling you you'd like godzilla no no well speaking of godzilla um our spoiler free review of that will be up on the weekend now won't feature me jamie and colin are going to go see that before i do so we thought we're going to just make sure we uh we we get these out as soon as we can so they kind of remain relevant so um if you're listening to this the godzilla one will be probably within the next day or so featuring jamie and colin uh but I will be going to see it outside of those two. So uh, by all means, listen to that because you love the Oz Network. It's a great show. And uh, outside of that too, uh, obviously our weekly... Goodness me, I'm choking on myself. How unprofessional. This is why no one listens to it. I'm catching your disease. Um, obviously our weekly episodes on Third Watch, Lost, are out there. Random rewatches too. I'm sure Colin's got a few of those. Uh, our Disney Live Action Month is just around the corner. If you've seen Aladdin, you heard our Aladdin review last week, of course. Uh, our one in the lead up to Lion King is coming up as well. We're going to have some other spoiler-free reviews coming up in the coming months. We keep mentioning we've got things like Men in Black International, uh, Toy Story 4, um, other movies that we randomly might go and see. Who knows? And the exciting thing, too, that we've got in the meantime as well, uh, we're sort of we're, we're preempting our end-of-year blockbuster fest where we're, of course, doing uh, the Terminator franchise and the most exciting thing in the entire universe, all Star Wars movies, because they're coarse and rough and irritating and they get everywhere. But we're going to do them anyway, and I have to always drop that mention in an episode. Um, Colin and I have decided that we're going to do a couple of special episodes uh, just on our top 50 movies and top 50 TV shows of all time, kind of. Uh, we don't know the format. We don't know how it's going to work, but we've put together our list and we're just going to do an episode. We're going to talk about it. So great little fun episode there. And another one that we'll be doing this year as well, given that we are in 2019, the final year of the decade, there is the 2010s. We will be doing a special episode looking at the best movies and probably best TV shows of the decade uh, and the worst ones as well. Um, so fun little projects that we've got to keep us busy here on the Oz Network. But in the meantime, you can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to us on all the podcast servers. Just do all of them. Even if you only listen to it on one, just still go to the other ones and do it. Rank us, leave feedback, tell us we're great, tell Mallory she's beautiful, tell me that I'm okay looking. Um, And follow us on Twitter, Instagram, all the other relevant channels. And we appreciate you listening and we appreciate your support because we love you. 
because you are listening to us. My name is Ben, and I'm not the man they think I am at home. Oh, no, no, no. I'm a rocket man! That was beautiful. My name is Mallory, and I don't have a quote again because... Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.